is is like vacate. It's just so weird. So weird. Yeah. So I think I'm, I might do that. I might do that tomorrow. Yeah. They've stopped giving us it. They just they've just rolled it all into one for us at this point. The well, sick patient because they they just found it too difficult to like monitor it because people were doing exactly what you said and then they were scamming it and just well, being like, it, yeah, I'm sick. Just so you, you can't monitor it going out. It's, it's like, unless you unless you like barge down someone's door just to prove that they've got a runny nose. Like this is just a bit pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. All right. Well, welcome to episode one hundred and ninety. Uh, we are talking on Sunday just before the Manchester City Liverpool game, and as Adam said, just about at the same sort of time as El Clasico kicks off. Uh, so. Um, we are going to spend some time, first and foremost, uh, talking about something totally unrelated to Brentford away. Uh, but let's start with how was your how was your weeks? How is everything going on, Adam, Craig? How is everything? Yeah, not not bad on this side. Doing all right. Uh, obviously, I, I assume we're probably going to get onto the the non non footballing news that kicked off the week for Brighton, which was um, not a great way to start the week, isn't it? Hasn't rounded out all that well from a from a Brighton standpoint, all in all, has it? But uh, yeah, doing all right, Craig. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, I'll apologise for any listeners and watchers in advance if I'm a little bit stuffed up, but I <laughs> it's because it's because I because I am. Um, but yeah, otherwise otherwise all good. I think yeah, it's uh it's been not a great week for for Brighton in general, is it? Yeah, not really. <laughs> uh, it could have been better. Um, I was supposed to be in Chicago this week, but it didn't end up mm. going ahead, uh, which is really good that it didn't end up going ahead uh, because my puppy had to have uh, exploratory surgery on Friday. So that's oh, how my Jesus. weekend went. Um, he's now being, he's like downstairs with like his entire insides glued together. So that's fun. Oh, lovely. Um, but yeah. doing doing okay. Yeah, he's doing all right. Uh, the, the obstruction turned out to be a hairball. Um, this is a 19 pound dog. The uh, hairball weighed like a pound and a half. Um, <laughs> he's he's not mentally the most sound animal in the world. Ah, uh, clear, clearly. Um, so we'll we'll get there. Uh, it could have been better all round. Um, and then the Bears lost on Thursday night football as well. So before the weekend had even began, uh, mine was a sad one. <laughs> um, and it it wasn't just the Bears that lost. Yeah. It was all the viewers of. Thursday night football for two weeks. For the last, I was, say, yeah. I was gonna say for the last however many weeks. Yeah, good God. The Bezos, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's gonna be a little bit better next week. Um, I think they've got the Chiefs on Thursday night football, so uh, at least one team will probably score a few. Um, but uh, the first thing that we we got onto, and like like Adam alluded to, was uh, the retirement, sudden retirement of Enoch Mwepu. Um The 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 player went to Zambia uh, for international duty. Um, fell sick on the plane. Um, I've heard that it was like quite literally like a heart attack at this point, um, which may well or may not be true. But some sort of heart condition showed itself uh, on the flight. Uh, he was kind of hospitalised, sent promptly back home. Uh, and all of the the tests done since uh, has shown he now has a, a heart defect, genetic heart defect, whatever it is. Um, we don't know the exact term, and frankly, it's not our business to know unless he wants to share it. Uh, but he's obviously got a heart condition um, and a very serious one, uh, one that develops over time as people get older. 
Um, so, you know, if you wanted to figure out which which condition it probably was, you can use Google. There's two or three out there. But again, I'm not really going to get into them too much because the, the bottom line is, is that he's unable to play ever again. He's retired. Um, and at just the age of 24, uh, as, as Zambia is one of Zambia's leading stars, uh, the the kind of central attack in midfield Maverick is is no longer playing football. So, I mean, I woke up to it. Um, so it was not the greatest way. <laughs> not the greatest way to wake up really to know that it, you know you know how highly i've rated you know um so that was an absolute blow um but how are we how are we feeling about that um what do you think that means for us long term uh and and you know all of that stuff involved what's what we'll start with you adam what was your your thoughts when you probably woke up for the same thing i did yeah i didn't believe it i thought it was such an unlikely thing to read that your 24 year old player is retiring um especially given it wasn't I know as you said we'd heard he'd been ill on international duty but how often do you hear that kind of stuff like someone's done whatever on international duty oh sure we'll, we'll see him in a week or so or something like that um there's there's two sides to it isn't there there's there's the human element and I've, I'm devastated for him as a person and as an individual because not that you want this to happen to anyone but um as everyone said online just seems like a, a fantastic guy, just a genuinely nice person, was a very promising footballer. Um, but when he he came on for us, especially in a, a lot of last season, put in some really dominating performances. Going forward, he was he just added an element to our game that we didn't have in the team. Someone that would really drive forward, purely just thinking about attacking and would take a shot. We don't have many of those in the team or any. Um, so really a shame. And, and as you say, like him and Pats and Dakar have come up from Zambia, close friends, broken into the Premier League at the same time, living the living the dream in, in a sense. Um, and then it's just it's taken away. And we, I guess we don't know what, what will happen to him now as a uh, just from his own occupation and what he does. I really would love to see him take up some form of coaching role and and stay in the sport, whether that's in his home country or whether that's um, something that we could possibly do via the club. But um, again, the outpouring of support has been amazing. Um, and, and Craig, I'll take you in here. But of course, we'll then talk more about the the harshness side of it. Is what what's the impact to Brighton because it's it's a, it's a fairly sizable one too. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, I, I echo everything that you've said. It, it's tough for a 24-year-old to, you know, devote most of his his early life to to living that dream, only for it to be pulled away from you so suddenly. Um, the human side is, you know, you, you have to live a long and fulfilled life, and and if that means that you don't play football, then um, I'm all for it. You know, he has to take those precautions, and and he has to make sure that um, he's okay first and foremost. Um, but I think for, for Zambia as well, I think, you know, you had Dhaka come through, you had this sort of, I guess, borderline golden generation coming through for them as well. It's obviously very disheartening there. Um, but yeah, everyone's been amazing, not just across Brighton, but across the Premier League, across all the other teams as well. Just the the outpouring across English football as a whole has been amazing. Um, so, so that's that. And I, you know, I hope that he gets involved in the sport that he loves and has devoted his life to up until this point. Um, like you said, he's a genuinely nice guy. It seems so. I don't know him, but it genuinely seems like a nice guy. Um, so let's hope that he's he's able to make a difference either in his home country or or elsewhere. Um, when it comes to, I guess, the, the Brighton side of things and, and from a professional sense, um, I think 
I will echo Josh as well in, in that we've probably lost one of our best players and, and one of our most impactful players um, just immediately. And, you know, we're, we're going through such an influx of change with the new head coach, seven new staff members, um, getting used to a new system and then to, to lose um, one of our best attackers, really, and, and one of our most prominent midfielders. It's That's tough. Um, and I think we've, we've spoken about the reluctance to do January sort of business and and be able to do that, especially across a weird World Cup. Um, but I think we're going to see even more activity now in January, um, just because we have to, to be fair. Yeah, um, we've saw online, I'm sure you both have as well, whether there's any truth to it, it's tough to say, but I don't see any reason for it to be a lie. Uh, Mitoma left Brentford in crutches uh, on Friday. Um, so if that's true, that's another... Well, another very impactful attacking player off uh, and frankly looked at best player um, for most of that second half for me. Spoiler alert for the rest of the rest of the review, I guess. Uh, but I thought he looked superb. Um, whether he was on the right, the left or wherever you put him, I thought Mitoma looked great. And now he's he's presumably going to be out at least for Forest. Um, so you've got Mitoma out. Uh, you've got Jakob Moda out indefinitely uh, with the Krisha issue um, and whatever that comes with. We know we know how those injuries go. Uh, and now we've got a player that there is no question about whether he's ever coming back, right? It's not one of those concussion-based issues, neck injuries, back injuries. You know, Craig, you've watched pro wrestling like me. Like, you, people get banged up in all sorts of weird ways within different sporting areas, and there's always ways back. This one, this one is not... <laughs> This is really the worst case scenario. Uh, there is no return for Enoch Mwepu at any point in time. Um, so you've lost Mwepu, Moda, Mitoma short term. Your leading striker has zero goals in nine games and your backup striker is not particularly trusted, uh, which we talked about in depth last week. Uh, although he was given a chance this week, which we'll talk about as well. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think sooner or later, right? Like this January is probably going to be one that Tony is really like not pleased about having to conduct. Um and it's going to be, uh, I would assume, a rather expensive one for him. Yeah, Deserby already come out uh, in press conference, I think, prior to the Brentford game, uh, basically saying, that, you know, we're, we're probably going to have to make a move to replace Mwepu. We talked about this last time around, the last couple of games when we've looked at the bench and we've gone, all right, who are we going to bring on? Um it, and we we even discussed last time. I like you not got Mwepu there. At least when you know he comes back, there's there's something more that you can bring on from an attacking standpoint. Yeah, that's that's not happening. So uh, you you look at that bench now, and and you look at your options. You have to make changes because if 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 the starting eleven aren't doing their their stuff from a um, goal scoring standpoint in a game, and you turn to your bench and and you look at your options. I mean, yeah, Undev came on, but. If you just told me someone drove a truck onto the pitch at a certain point in that game and it was playing up front for Brighton, I could have mistaken it for Undev because he doesn't look up to speed, really, does he? He he chugs along. I think he touched the ball twice and he didn't look particularly good doing it. Um, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. But let's get through this patch of games until then and then we can hopefully they can go into it with a less reactionary standpoint than what we're going to be think, speaking about and talking about now because we've come off the back of two incredibly frustrating games uh, and, a, and a, a game on Tuesday, which feels like we really want to get something out of before we go, we, we face yeah, City and Chelsea. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we can get into that. I think that 
just the, the last bit on on January before we move into the game, I think that there must have been some promises or some sort of assertion when you're, you're speaking to the Zerbi as well, because he wouldn't have come out and expressed his desire to to jump into the January transfer window if he wasn't allowed to speak about it or or wasn't promise certain accolades in that respect so i think we'll we'll definitely see it i think we have to have it and i think everyone is aware of that um it's just a really weird one with the world cup you know someone has an absolute belter of a world cup and all of a sudden their price influx is 10 20 million we like to go under the radar and buy these promising players um but I think those technically gifted players are going to come out on the World Cup, have a good one, and we'll pay over the odds. So we, we kind of have to be careful there too. Um, we're expecting a lot, but everyone's going to be in Qatar. So uh, we'll see. Watch them only target players from the countries that haven't qualified. Yeah. <laughs> we'll buy a Norwegian guy or someone from Egypt. Don't worry about it. Harlan's younger brother. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure, I'll take him. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, "That's going to be their scouting mo, isn't it? Any any of the non thirty two nations will be sixty four or whatever it is that are there uh, will be all on the shortlist, I think, um, which was, wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, Mikey in the chat also noting that the falling pound makes it more expensive to buy players from abroad, uh, which is probably going to impact the other fourteen a lot more than the big six. Um, you say that, Mikey, but come January, winter is winter is one and truly here. World Cup is truly here. Uh, if this this stuff continues um, across the pond with the Ukraine Russia stuff, the the Euro may not be in a great spot either. Um, and I don't want to think that you know for the political type listeners out there, we're just blaming it on the Ukraine Russia piece. Uh, billionaires are purposely utilizing this to get richer and richer and screw us over more and more. So I don't want people thinking we're pretending that isn't happening. Uh, we're not totally blinkered here at together. Um, so let's talk about the game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that is <laughs> the we have to. <laughs> that is the main event. Um, interesting uh, lineup to start the day. Uh, both who scored and FB Ref has it as a four four two. Um, and after watching the highlights again, um, it's hard to disagree with it. Pascal Gross was just as much leading the line uh, as Daniel Welbeck was. Um, it was almost like a four-four-one-one, four-two-three. Like I don't, I don't want to say a four-two-three-one because uh, he didn't. He was so far up and ahead of Welbeck a lot of the time uh, that it was it was tough to to, to know. Um, but it was a unchanged lineup, but very much a changed formation. Um, how were we feeling about that? You know, because we kind of realized it five, seven, ten minutes in that we were we'd obviously kept the same lineup, but things were changing pretty, pretty dramatically in that starting lineup with the four at the back and all that good stuff. Um, what were you what were you thinking there? Do you think that was the right decision to kind of give them a chance to adapt? Uh, or do, would you rather have seen changes, i.e. Mitoma maybe starting that game? Well, yeah, we had and we had this big discussion for for people that listened last week around uh, because we've got these two games coming up in quick succession and we're still very much not really playing Deserby's desired setup. We'll probably see some element of change here, and we saw it in one part, right? We've we got the same same people in place as you said, but a different way of setting them up. I think we'll see more change on Tuesday. My expectation though would be that we see. Um, uh, personnel changes i could absolutely see lalana and, and billy gilmore starting next week um but because uh, at a certain point you can't just play kaisedo and, uh, and McAllister just indefinitely especially with the fact that they're probably going to be starting for their countries um at least kaisedo uh <laughs> 
we'll get on to Danny. We'll get on to Danny Welbeck. But I was surprised. I was surprised that even just from the eye test, I, I was like, why is Gross higher up the pitch than Danny Welbeck? There were certain points, especially the first 20 minutes, where it looked like Gross was fully leading the line, which is... Um, yeah, I don't know how well that experiment is necessarily going to go uh, if we happen to perform it again. But I don't know what, what else is he going to do. Barbering and Matoma in, you're you're really just swapping people out from a fitness standpoint. I don't think Lalana and Gilmore are better than Kaiseido and Alistair. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Who else are you going to who else are you going to change? Lamptey for Veltman, maybe if you if you want to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the options are limited apart from just making wholesale changes because. You know, like you said, I think Veltman plays over Lamptey right now every day of the week for me. Um, the double double pivot is the best two that we've got. Yeah, unless unless you're making serious changes, get onto not so far as the Baltimore, but it, in in that respect, that's no change, but a, a change of formation. You start to see those ideas come through now, um, like we spoke about last week. Um, I didn't have any qualms about it. I just had qualms about how they played. Yeah, uh, and it was, and people have noted it on social media all weekend. Uh, it felt like a return to potable before last April, um, where we started being able to find the net. Uh, we ended up with seventy-two and a half percent possession, eighty-five uh, percent pass success rate, uh, twenty-one shots, seven of them on target. Uh, we beat them in the XG as per usual, um, and. Honestly, looking at the the stats, it looked like a game we we absolutely dominated. Um, but Brentford, uh, first time I've really watched them since the United hilarious game uh, that I tuned into to watch as it started going down. Um, I I was worried about them this season. I thought they were dead certs to hit second season syndrome and go down. Um, I didn't realize how clever they were. Um, a lot of those teams that do suffer from second season syndrome tend to have that naivety about them. Sheffield United was the most recent example, right? Um, but they played like prime La Liga Champions League team for me. They were cynical. They were shithousery. They were dramatic. They won fouls all over the pitch for non-incidents. Uh, they played the ref like a fiddle. Uh, and it was all very clever. It's not even kind of like, ragging on them. that was very it was really smart and it got them two goals um and i mean just from that game alone if they play with that same kind of uh just style they're not they're not going to be in any danger of going down there's there's too many uh naive teams down there uh i.e someone will be playing on tuesday um that that are going to really suffer uh compared to the way brentford played um, and I thought they they did a job on us, uh, and they did a, they'll do a job on quite a few of the teams going forward. I think as well. Um, yeah, but let's not get away from the fact that they've been shit this year. Uh, they really have. Like, I'm, I, I completely agree with you. They did not look bad against us, but I'm looking at all of their results and all the form coming into this game, and it's just appalling. Outside of the Man U game, they started opening day drawing against an, an abhorrent Leicester. They, they've lost to Fulham, haven't beaten a bunch of teams. Yeah, they beat they beat Lee, smacked by Arsenal, smacked by Newcastle, couldn't beat Bournemouth. And they come to us and they look like they, you know, the most clinical side that we've played against, it felt like in, in some ways. Um, I have a couple of hot takes just in, just in the way in which we... 
I guess I've approached this game and we know that Deserbi is not necessarily going to be able to have had an impact. And we discussed before, even back in the Liverpool game, when everyone was touting, oh, look, Deserbi's already done X, Y, Z. No, he hasn't. But at best, we try and play out the back a little bit more. Uh, this is still Potter's team. It very much feels like a team that's being told to do new things. And then when things go badly in a game, they go, what's the thing we've been used to for three years? And they go back and regress to that function, which is exactly what we saw in this game. And we saw parts of that against Spurs as well. When the going gets tough, let's maintain possession. We know that. We've done that for a while. Let's pass the ball around the box and not do anything with it. And that's it. The other problem is what we identified even when we were talking about Deserby um, before he'd even managed a game for Brighton. What does this side do when it goes down first against tough opposition that it isn't necessarily going to then put a bunch of pressure on you and, and you get to bait them because they don't care. They're going to say, all right, no, you're playing away from home in the Premier League. You're down 1-0 to us. Come on then, do, do what you can. We're just going to sit back. Conte did it perfectly against us. And Frank and Brentford did it perfectly against us today. No, like, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna score on a counter. We've got a better number nine than you. We knew how to be more direct and we're just gonna score. Great, we're gonna sit back, we're gonna frustrate you, we're eventually gonna move to five at the back, and it doesn't matter what you do, you can do what you want, and you're never gonna score against us. And we never were gonna score against them because our players decide to flop their heads in front of the ball and make Raya look like uh, I don't know, prime Bartez when he's like fairly average as a keeper. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with all these comments, but I'm just annoyed. <laughs> no, I, I was, I was of the same. You know, that sort of revert to type, um, and and sort of just, like you say, going back to what we know and, and what we've been taught for so long. I say we, them, um, but it, in in that, it's, it is, uh, and I think the way that we're set up and the philosophy and the ideas and um, and this is synonymous with Potter and the Zerbi is that if we do go down in the first half um, it is always very difficult for us to get back um, you've seen us do it a couple of times but it, it does get to that point where you're like well it's kind of a mute point now because like you said you, you'll have 11 men behind the ball we don't really you know sort of side through and and be able to cut teams to pieces when they're when they're that defensive it's always been our issue we've, we've always been good against the teams that come to play their game against us because tactically we, we were pretty sound um just frustrating and like you i think just on your point as well you could have given us another 90 minutes and we wouldn't have scored and i and i think that that is obviously a, a sustaining issue that we'll talk about um but Again, the eye test and the stats going against completely what we saw. Um, we had 72% possession because we played right into Brentford's game plan. And yeah, as Josh said, they were very clever and implemented a game plan. It worked to perfection. So there's, there's not really too much more to say around that. Um, but but yeah, it's just a revert to type and, and we need to figure that out. Deserby wasn't happy though, was he? Very honest. Uh, Post game, not happy yeah. at all. Uh, didn't look very happy on the sideline either. Uh, I, I don't know whether that's the case if he was frustrated with what was going on or whether they were reverting to type and he wasn't happy about it. Um, I'm not sure. Um, one thing I will say, uh, the first goal was superbly taken, wasn't it? Um, not much you can do about that. He, uh, Ivan Tony took, did his prime Welbeck impression, wasn't it? With, with the back heel. Uh, felt like rubbing our noses in it a little bit. 
This uh, this was the first game where I am officially joining. Finally, after a long period of time, the we we need a number nine bandwagon. Um, because, as you say, we we witnessed what one of those looks like. He didn't get many chances, but when he did, um, he absolutely murked us with that first goal. For, by the way, build-up play was great. But two very incisive passes, and then the finish, very confident. Uh, and the penalty, he was never missing the penalty, never missing it. And... Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what that must feel like to have that player. I don't. I, I haven't felt that since Glenn Murray, Josh. And let's let's be let's be very quick about this because there'll be people coming into your Twitter DMs telling you that strikers don't grow on trees, Adam, and to grow up and realise that people can't just do that. I, I hope they will. Financial thing. Uh, Ten million pound. Ivan Tony costs uh, ten million pounds just for just for the record. So. Because we get told a lot that that's not possible, that doesn't exist. Um, we can't sign strikers for a reasonable amount of money that will score goals regularly as well as lead a line. Uh, £10 million, Ivan Tony from Peterborough to Brentford. Um, and there was numerous clubs in, in, interested in him at the time, I believe, uh, as well. Um, Brentford just did the job right and got him in. Um, so to say that they don't exist for reasonable amounts of money, um, Ivan Tony joins the list of, of strikers that, that proves that actually... There are a lot of them, um, and there is something just inherently wrong with our striker scouting because uh, there ain't no problem anywhere else. Alexis McAllister, Bissouma, Caicedo, Estepinion, Kukurea, you know, Sanchez at 12 years old. <laughs> like, like, it's not a problem, is it? Like, we were able to find unbelievably good players all over the field, uh, except for the the really quite important one um, and the one that was, frankly, the difference yesterday, uh, Friday, with, with Ivan Tony up front. I think all we need to do then, and there's no way this could go wrong, is you just sign a provenish striker from Brentford, uh, and there'd be no downside to that. Have we tried that out? I don't think he played very well against Ever- for Everton yesterday. That that specific person. <laughs> no, no, that, that, he is that hypothetical person that. We're yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not naming names, but we should give it a go. Yeah, I, it it it's clearly the hardest position to recruit in, right? But it can be done. Um, I think. Like like you've said, Josh, it's it's such a tough position to recruit in and make sure that we get the right person in. And um, but it can be done. It's not a case of it's impossible to get someone, so we shouldn't try. Uh, it's let's try and find the right one, and that has to be a priority in January. And, and I'm sure it will be, given what we saw on Friday, recording on Sunday. But yeah, yeah. And then we'll, we'll come on to Indav and, and Welbeck, I'm sure, and individuals. But yeah, uh, Ivan Tony on the plane. Or no? I think so. I, th- I mean, he's not going to be given a chance, but I, th- I think he, he should be on the plane. Um, you know, it's just such a clinical finisher, leads the line, classic sort of number nine. Um, I, yeah, I, just, I think he does, but I don't think he gets a sniff in. Like, what, he didn't even make the bench in one of the games, did he? So, uh, Yeah, I mean... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to drag myself into an England discussion. I, it, it frustrates me too much. Uh, he did. Yeah, he did. He probably deserves to be in the squad, but um, I'm assuming that we'll just play Harry Kane up top and 17 right backs or something. So, uh, yeah, 
well, he's losing right backs out the nose, isn't he? Reese James is now probably out. Carl yeah. is definitely out. Trent Alexander-Arnold is, I mean, if he's going to show up and play for Qatar, maybe at that level. Um, but he certainly isn't at a level where you'd expect him to be playing for England. Um, I don't think he, he might not even, I don't think he even goes, right? Just play him right midfield. Play him uh, on a right wing. He's yep. great. He's a fantastic passer, fantastic crosser, fantastic free kick taker. He's just Beckham. And I would you know, never I play say, Beckham right back. Like, so he's, not, he's not a right back. Um, just a quick note, just to talk about players that we probably could have afforded at the time. Ivan Tony, uh, Mitrovic, scoring a shit ton of goals at the minute. Uh, a player that has benefited greatly from a year in the championship. Uh, a year ago, I would never have been saying it, but Solanke has benefited massively from a year of games in the championship. Uh, Daka is now finally starting to, similar to Alexis McAllister, it's took him a, quite a while. Uh, to adapt to the Premier League, but now he has. Uh, he's starting to look pretty dangerous. Uh, Watkins, the half-decent. Wilson, still scoring goals. Shame he can't stay fit. Uh, but there's a lot of them out there, um, and most of those were within our price range, um, and most of them are still within our wage range, uh, which is usually one that's kind of bandied around. Well, we can't afford their wages. Well, if you believe what their what their kind of press release signing announcements are uh, almost every single one of them are on money we can afford. Um, so they're out there. Uh, teams teams at the bottom are finding them. Uh, and that's that's the reason they're staying up, frankly. There's a lot of reasons why other teams are staying up. But that number nine, Brentford, uh, are going to stay in this league because they've got a player like that. Um, outside of that, after that first half, not so great. Second half was very much what you said, uh, just a low block. Hit us on the counter as and when we could. Um, the penalty was it a penalty for you all? What did you think on that? It was a penalty, but uh, Tony was a scumbag about it. That's basically it. It was he just as he should do. He went down very very easy. Veltman was stupid to do what he did, and Veltman's been superb the whole rest of the season up until that point. Um, but he was winding everyone up throughout that game, Joel Veltman, and then eventually just played himself, didn't he? Um, but yeah. Probably should have been a penalty, but I was still annoyed. And I was even more annoyed with Canos or whatever his name is. Um, he was just <laughs> flopping all over the place like an excited fish. Yeah, I mean, it's what the game's become, isn't it? I think that's it is a penalty, but it's the exaggeration that annoys you even more. So, um, yeah, it's a penalty for me as well. Old Harold Kane would have gone down like a sack of bricks as well. Yeah. In fact, I think he sort of did in the game yesterday too. Um so they're, they're, everyone's going to do it. Everyone's going to do it. You can't do that. Yep. Uh, Mikey in the chat saying he wants to see more of Undav before he jumps away from him. No player is at their best playing 30 minutes in nine games. Uh, and I think that's what, exactly what we said last week, really, isn't it? Um, I think before we absolutely say no to Dennis Undav, like, I would like to see him start at Forest, at Forest, against yeah. Forest at the Amex. Um Bringing in uh, Sal in the chat, but bringing in Undav Mitoma, uh, they are bringing in players with just around Paul that might not be the right place. Uh, I think Mitoma is showing he is from the right place, though, right? Like, he looks superb. He seems to have adapted very, very, very quickly. Um, and again, I, I, I agree with Mikey. It's hard to totally write off Undav just yet. Uh, Ollie Watkins, also a, a big Brentford's goal scorer. Um, also wildly underused at Villa, let's be fair, though. Like, Villa are not the most stable team in the world. Uh, they make Coutinho look like a non-league player every other week. So it's tough to... Uh, that might just be Coutinho, by the way. It might be. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, Ivan Tony was bought when Brentford were in the championship. Uh, he wasn't a sure thing for Premier League football. Well, yeah, same thing for Solanke, right? Like he was dog for Bournemouth when they were up last. And now he's actually looking like a really decent striker at that level. Um, we just need to find someone uh, and, and develop them in that way. And maybe it is undoubted. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but I, I personally am of the opinion that it's safe to say it isn't Welbeck at this point. Um, he has had more than enough time uh, throughout his career, pre-Brighton even, to show that he's not the guy. Uh, he might be that guy, but he is not the guy um, to lead people forward. Um, and at 2-0, the game was pretty much over at that point, didn't it? Uh, it was, I mean, I suspect that's probably where so much of the percentage of the possession came in. Uh, we made the changes, um, but I mean, what are, you, what are you supposed to do when you've got a block of six players that are sat on their 18 to six yard box. Um, I mean, how incisive can you be at that point? They shut us out. Uh, and that was the end of it really. Um, and I know you said that they've been dog Adam, but they're only a point behind us now. Um, and we are now five points off the relegation zone. Uh, so all those people that were saying I was absolutely mental a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Potter left and we got deserve in, uh, when I said, Hey, let's just focus on staying up this year. This is why that entire line with what seventh and it is packed down there. Now it's very, very packed. Uh, there are going to be at least one or two teams that shouldn't go down due to them being too good that are, um, I do not think it will be us, but just to pretend that we're in no danger of anything like that is a little bit naive. Yeah. The whole league's a shit show. I, again, we've said this, we've said this a lot, haven't we? Uh, but the, the difference between having a very... But it was a little bit like this last year. Let's let's be honest, we had an amazing finish, but God, it could have gone a lot differently if a couple of games didn't go our way. That suddenly you you end up, uh, you know, two, two thirds down the table instead of coming ninth. Uh, this is where, frankly, after after that break, you really want to see some, some changes after we've had this tough run of form. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm going back to the not to go over and over and over again on the conversation about uh, strikers and, and Undav and, and what happens there. Um, the club's tried, right? We have tried. We've experimented. We've brought in tons of different players. Some have gone out on loan and um, we've had various strikers that just haven't worked out like loads. Uh, it's, it's, it, I know it's not easy, but we go back to the thing that we said time and time again. In these games, where you know that your number nine is going to be strangled out of the game and not going to get really much of a look in. They either have to take their chances and be very clinical, see Ivan Tony, um, not Danny Welbeck's header that just goes straight at Raya, um, or your other players have to be able to, to, to lump one in, see Solly March's wet header, see Lewis Dunk slamming a header against, well, was probably the best chance about for us for the game, but that was Reyes actually good save. Um, outside of that, Trossard was Trossard did his classic um, disappearance game, uh, and then you just you don't have a chance, right? Unless Caicedo's banger decides to go in, but we just didn't know one looked like scoring, and we just go back to the same thing as we always discuss. If your number nine's not scoring, someone else has to, and when the others don't, you're screwed. And that's that's it, isn't it? Is that you know when when everyone around Welbeck is scoring, it's 
you know, he's he's part of that play and then he sets things up and, you know, I'm, I'm all for that, right? I'm, I'm up for an advanced playmaker, whatever you want to call it. Um, but when neither of those are happening, you know, where where is the issue? I think we, we have issues across all the attack. Like you said, Solly March's header is shocking. Um, and just the inability to convert chances into goals um, has to primarily lie with those attackers. And Danny Welbeck is one of those. Yeah. And... You know, I think to to Josh as well. I think zero and nine doesn't look nice, regardless of which way you put it, regardless of where we are on the table. Um, but my main issue is that nobody else is scoring either. So if we're relying on Danny Welbeck to do a playmaker role or to convert chances for other people, and that's also not happening, then he's not doing his job either way. Um, and I think that's where the scrutiny is starting to come in for me. If it helps, Robert Lewandowski just missed from uh, half a foot out against Real Madrid and I've heard he's pretty decent at uh, being a striker okay. but it's it, it is hard isn't it like I watched did you, I don't know if you watched the Leicester game yesterday Leicester against Palace I watched some of that game Palace were getting absolutely decimated for most of that game and it's I don't understand how Leicester didn't score um, especially with the form players like Madison have been in they didn't look like they they had so many chances and between Dakar and Barnes and Madison they just couldn't do it last touched and that's the difference that's, and that's why they're 19th uh new in the first half newcastle against manu newcastle were all over manu this this first half i don't even know what the score is at the moment and they just could joel linton hit the bar hit the post wilson could have got a penalty it's hard to get the ball in the net sometimes um even when you've got these players which you would otherwise say these are good finishers um but it's the the thing for me is what what we come back to, especially what we've seen in these last two games and what we've seen for the last three years, this team still does not have an answer to a, another team that sits deep. We do not have an answer. We haven't had an answer for, for, for years. That's the bit that needs solving to me in addition to having a number nine that can put the ball in the net or a more consistent set of other players that are able to finish. Um, hopefully, Deserby can figure that out. And to me, though, like we are scoring goals, right? We have 14 goals from nine games. Uh, if we continue on that vein of form, we have scored, we will score more goals this season than last season. Um, and Welbeck has none of them, and he is your main guy. So Trossard has uh, five, um, McAllister has four. I think two of those are pens, but still, you have to score them, which is something we know we've talked about. <laughs> You know, we we all watched them last year. Not as easy as it looks. Um, unless you're Ivan Tony, 20 and 20, by the way, which is outrageous. Um, and Pascal Gross has three. Uh, Caicedo has the other one. Um, we are we have now found a point where the players around our striker, whether it was Neil or Danny, are now finding the net. They're doing their part of the job as advertised. Um, and now our striker is not doing it. Um, despite having plenty of opportunity to do so. Uh, only Alexis and Trossard have more XG over the season. Um, and I suspect, because I didn't do the research very well, I suspect the XG uh, for McAllister probably includes those two pens, which is, as we know, by sky high um, when you start adding that to the system. So uh, when you are not able to score goals as a striker, um, something probably has to be changed. Uh, I was, I made a tweet that got people very upset um, saying it was just an absolute disgrace of the season for a striker to be on nine appearances with zero goals. Um, they were very, people were very upset. 
Uh, and one of the most interactive with responses, uh, which I didn't even bother responding to because I thought it was absurd, was that Firmino only scored eight in their 1920 title winning season. So actually, like, strikers don't <laughs> need to score goals. Did they have anyone um, else on the team that was half decent that in so, season Liverpool? Yeah, I would like to note that uh, 23 goals came from Mohamed Salah. Uh, the Egyptian Soli March, they call him. Yes, yes. And 22 came from Sadio Mane. Um, so... When you when you discuss only eight goals uh, from Roberto Firmino, um, you've got to bear in mind that Salah and Mane in the Premier League uh, scored almost forty between them. Um, so when you include those two, uh, feels a little bit like a bad faith argument uh, because we don't have uh, a Salah or Sadio Mane, do we? Um, Trossard is obviously pulling a lot of weight at this point. Um, he is the weight puller, uh, and McAllister being able to score penalties is really helpful. Um, but to to argue that nine games, zero goals is absolutely fine because Firmino only scored eight a couple of years ago. Um, I'm I'm done with hearing about the intangibles Danny offers. I see them. We talked about them last year. I waxed lyrical about them last year, but he was also scoring goals in like a one in three game ratio at the end of last season, he's now scoring zero in nine. That's the difference. And that's why we're in trouble, not trouble, but we're seeing a downward turn in form uh, because there are numerous chances that he should have scored at Spurs one or two today or Friday. Um, and you put away just 30% of those and you're, you're probably taking a point at least. Right. Yeah, and, and look, over half of our goals this year have come against Mullering two sides that are essentially been, I know one's Liverpool, it's unfair to say this, but two sides that have essentially been labelled as being in a crisis um, and two sides that won't sit back and defend against you because uh, Brendan Rodgers doesn't seem to either understand or allow Leicester to play that way. They'll come out and try and score even when they're, you know, they're getting smashed. Um, and we know what Liverpool don't do that, and they've been defensively in utter disarray. Um, and the difference there is that in those two games, Trossard scored four goals. Trossard hasn't been at the races against Spurs and Brentford. And when, as we know, when Trossard isn't the superstar, there aren't enough other superstars in this team that, that can tap in those goals when it, when, as you say, when it isn't Welbeck. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to unlock the defence that sits back either. And you saw against Brentford, some really shabby passes started to come in from Trossard where he actually looked a bit like a liability for certain portions of the game where the intricate side of things just weren't, wasn't coming off for him. Whereas he looks like a Ballon d'Or winner when the defence opens up a little bit more. Um, Worst pass accuracy in the team, by the way. By yeah, you could see it. You could see it. Um, it's. Uh, we're, we're, I'm certainly not going to solve it on here, but this this has to be something that the coaching staff and Deserby and the, the the team responsible for transfers and Barber and everyone has to be looking at as being like, well, okay, I think we ne- we've now got enough data to understand that there are certain scenarios that unfold whereby we need to have an answer to one of these questions, um, because if not, what's going to happen? You're going to have the teams now that are just going to set up against us and be like, okay, this is how you beat Brighton. We said this before, we said this a year ago, but sides will catch on at some point and it won't just be Brentford and it won't just be Antonio Conte. Yeah, I, like you said, it's this isn't a Deserby issue. This is this is 
been an issue for a while and being able to beat these defensive teams and break them down. Um, we, we haven't been able to do it effectively um, for a while now. So it is something that we're going to have to look to solve. I'm sure it's something that Potter looked at and, and deserve even more so now because it it's becoming more and more evident as we shift ideas, mentality, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, I, and combine that with... <clears throat> Just yeah, not being able to break teams down, moving to a four as well. Um, yeah, just I mean, reverting back to the game, it just wasn't our day um, in any way. I think we we got we got played really. Um, they had a game plan, we didn't. And like I said, you could have given us fifty more shots on target. I don't think we score. We've had th- we had thirty five shots in the last two games with no goals. Like. I don't. There's not really any more commentary needed. Nope. Thirty-five shots. When you think the those two games as well, we've we've gone down a goal in the first twenty twenty-five minutes and had to chase the game. And those that's where those shots come from because Conte sat back, played it to perfection. Frank has also done the same to an extent. They were still dangerous, to be fair, um, but it just it means that those chances are not clear cut to me. Um, I think the XG is there purely by volume, not by the quality yeah. of the chance. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's talk some good, at least, uh, because there are very much, well, there certainly was on Friday whispers of, of discontent throughout the Twitter sphere uh, and everywhere else, uh, starting to get on the back of Roberto after three games, uh, two of them against Spurs and Liverpool, by the way. Um, and... I think you've got to just chill out a little bit. Um, I think we need to accept that this is going to be a long process. Uh, we've also got to accept that a lot of what we're seeing now was stuff we were seeing pre-April. This is not something that we've been seeing. Like, Potter's been amazing for two years. We've been scoring goals and finishing fourth. No, this is exactly what we saw before April of last year for months and months to the point that we lost six in a row to the point that we didn't get a win in like 12 or whatever it was. Like this is not new. This is this is a revert to type, and it took Potter three years to find a way through. So this is going to happen. I'm hoping that the window will allay a little bit of this. Um, but I think the uh, the need to start getting on Deserby's back or any of that stuff that you're starting to already see bits and pieces of. And if we lose against Forest, I can only imagine the absolute meltdown that's going to be going on uh, online. Um, but I think we just need to just ex- like this is this is his fourth game and about his fifth week in England, um, and I think we need to give him that time as well. Um, we are still full of very talented youthful players that now need to learn a new version of the way they're playing football. Uh, firstly, maybe I'm not going deep enough into Twitter, which is a good thing to to see these cretins that are trying to rag on Deserby because I mean if you were I don't know like get to the circus because you'd be a wonderful clown like why why would you how could you possibly expect a guy to come in part way through the season with a ripped out coaching staff barely speaks the language to be like oh okay all right guys here you go now you play exactly how I expect you to play what there's just no way. And notice how n- never all through our criticism of this team and the players and the performances, I don't think once we've been like, 
you know, Deserby, blah, blah. The only question we've raised against him was in the, the Spurs game where his, his subs lacked a little bit of like, they were too late and it, it felt weird. Um, outside of that, I don't know what the expectations are. For me, this is all a freebie for him until we've had a period of time. And, and frankly, I'm not really honestly judging him until post-January, deep until we get to the end of the season, the tail end, and we'll, and we'll see once that style of play starts to come in. Maybe he's got one signing that he's able to to, to impart his um, you know thoughts on. It's, it's nothing to do with Deserby right now. This isn't... At best, as we've said, all you're seeing out of Deserby's stamp on this team is that Bobby Sanchez now looks for an extra pass and Webster's going to knock it back to SD Opinion and we're going to play out. Which, by the way, there was a really nice example of that in the first half against Brentford where we had about a succession of four to five extremely quick passes in the top left of our um, back line and we got the ball right out and we had had an attack. That's what he wants. We've done it about twice in two games, which is to be expected. Just time, isn't it? And I think I, I agree with you. He has at least until the World Cup where these are, I mean, to me, free hits to an extent. Do you know what I mean? He's he's not going to be, um, you know, completely immune to criticism if we see something. But like you said, you're, you're three games in with a completely new coaching staff in a very weird season. Um, you know, you start well, but... I would just reiterate these are these issues that we're talking about here and and the Brentford and the Spurs ones they are not because of the Zerpi and the staff we've seen these for 12 months 18 months two years um these are continuing issues that we've seen regardless of who's at the helm um so I think for for me it's just safety first I think Josh you said at the top of the pod um it's safety first for me this season uh, and that's my that's my expectation is that as long as we as long as we stay up and then we can start doing some bits in January, hopefully uh, a complete new summer for, for him as well. Um, uh, and just able to really put a stamp on his team. He's not going to be able to do that in four or five weeks. Um, and those expecting radical changes or, or any sort of change in fortune um, is sorely mistaken. So, And I think barring, barring us being bottom of the table come end of January, uh, the most important thing to note is for anybody getting upset is Tony Bloom ain't going to change his mind. So you may as well just sit and watch it and hope mm-hmm. you see better um, because he is not going to let him go until he's probably halfway into next season, unless we're relegated. And even then he may not like this is that's who Tony Bloom is. So uh, yeah, man of the match for Yura. And there's some stuff in the chat I'm going to hit on after this, uh, but man of the match for the, the game like yesterday, Friday. Caicedo, maybe. So <laughs> I got for you. I uh, no idea. Sure, uh, it's so tough to pick one. Um, I think even even Matoma coming on had a little flash five minutes and then was anonymous. It's a, a tough one. I, I it's always. Caicedo otherwise isn't it I'm, I'm going to agree with you because I, I have no clue yep that's a 3B then uh, I was going to say the same um, so Mikey in the chat is a good one uh, on the 20th of March last year over our previous six games we had accumulated 80 shots uh, 30 of them on target and only four goals to show for it um, so again this is not new 
we are we have been here before uh we did not like it <laughs> but this is this is not new to us um and we should be happy that deserve is in a much better place to learn from this than potter was because potter had an entire chris hutton squad to overhaul um and that's not to take away from chris hutton but the style of play is dramatically different right so we had a, a huge overhaul for potter to under, undertake uh, this is not the same situation for Roberto. We are not expecting a three-year project of trying to see us, you know, scrape out of the relegation zone and get better. You would expect this to become something a little bit quicker. Uh, and and we have a lot of decent players there. Um, and the other question, we are 25% into the season. Uh, who is your player of the season so far? I like that question. I mine might be McAllister, just yeah. in how how well he's adapted to that role. I think the, the first game of the season feels so so long ago. Um, but when when you think about it and him starting to play in that double pivot with Caicedo, I think Caicedo is outstanding. He's he's set high expectations for himself. But McAllister being able to chip in with those goals, his set pieces are even better than they were before, and they were good already. Um, I think when we first saw him in that role, we kind of just questioned it a little bit, but he's really made it his own to the point where that is our double pivot now and and unless something remarkably wrong happens. Uh, so it is McAllister for me. I think he's the technical ability for the Zerbi as well is going to be very important for him. Yeah, I, I like that answer. It, it's it's McAllister or Caicedo, I think. Um, so I'll, I'll just I'll just go with Caicedo. Uh, there was obviously question marks as to is he going to continue that promise and that form from last season into this one. Easy to say that now because I think everyone just expected that, but that doesn't always happen. A, a, a young player can show a flash and then comes around this next season and you go, hold on, this guy's actually not very good. And he's been superb and just looks to be getting even better. And, and uh, I'll, I'll give a, a shout out for my... Uh, most maligned man, Solly March, who um, probably the worst finisher I've ever seen in my life. But um, outside of that, he's been outstanding for me. Outside of a really important piece of his play, he's been outstanding. Outside of arguably the most important thing he could do, he's been amazing, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be boring and just add a plus two on both of your answers. Um, I was really struggling to figure out which one I was going to pick. Uh, but that that duo in midfield has surpassed all expectations um if you would have said last season in january that this year we would be nine games in and we would be saying moises caicedo and alexis McAllister as a double pivot holding on to that midfield and kind of strangle holding that midfield would be our kind of joint player of the season so far um i i mean i would have been banned from my own podcast i think i think you would have deserved <laughs> me <laughs> essentially two attack like very forward-minded attacking midfielders prior to prior to this stint that people seem to forget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and McAllister, I, I was not shy in pointing out, was struggling defensively massively those first two or three games. He struggled to track back. Um, going forward, he was great. Recycling the ball, great. But that that extra job you have to do if you're going to be part of that duo in midfield, he struggled with. Um, and he is not struggling anymore. Uh, he looks really comfortable. Um, and yeah, either of them. Mikey, uh, if you're still there, feel free to tell us who you think is as well. I'd be interested to hear your answer on it. Um, but yeah, either for me as well. I think they've been excellent. 
Um, yeah. There's a special Forrest. mention to Trossard as well. Sorry, Josh. Just No, you're good. I think just barring his inconsistencies, I think his, his danger this season with five goals already, like three of them came in one game. But um, I think, again, the start of the season feels so long ago, but I feel like he, he is still dangerous. He's doing it more consistently, but not consistent enough. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, if you extrapolate the <laughs> the, the goals and assists from here, um, he's in for a hell of a season. He's the highlight real player, isn't he? He's he's the one that the, if we're on TV, the, that's the, where the discussion will start, um, as opposed to probably the two most effective ones that we talked about. Um, on the other side of this, can I ask you a question about the Tarek Lamptey situation? Because uh, he obviously had the injury, but I don't know why my printers decided to make a noise. But prior to that injury, and even after that in- injury, it was still talk of, oh, wow, Tarek Lamptey's absolutely electric. He's if There was talk about, could he play for England? Of course, now that's gone away. But what's... He's not even getting time now in games, is he? I don't know. I don't even have an answer for you. Um, It's very strange, isn't it? Uh, Something. I mean, he had full surgery, didn't he, on his hamstring? Um, Like, it's not like a small thing. Uh, He had proper surgery on it, Um, and it seems to me that, in a similar way to his Kiedo, although his was meniscus, which is always a lot worse. something has just not worked out because like you said, that England chat has gone away. Um, similarly speaking, Patrick Bamford will definitely not be on a plane. Uh, if you go back and watch his penalty miss, you can laugh a lot. That was horrific. Well, Lamptey's a Ghana player now. So he's, he uh, is, yeah. Yeah. Reunited in some fashion with, with well, not even reunited, but with Chris Hutton, uh, who's, uh, is involved in the Ghana setup. But he's another one, right? Uh, like Lamptey, like I, I would like to see him get a chance, see what he's got. Like if he really is just not it anymore, I'd like to know. Um, as opposed to just, I'm sure I know they watch it in training. I know they know more than us. Blah 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 blah. But I would still like to see it, just in you know, just in case, just to like know for sure on our side that like he really has just got not got it. Um, and I mean, I'll tell you that, like hot take wise, Adam Webster certainly didn't cover himself in glory this weekend, did he? I thought he was an absolute liability. He's been not good this entire season. He's been disappointing. Strange, isn't it? Um, yeah, I going I circle back on on the Webster thing, but for for Lamptey, I think you think he plays in midfield then if he can't get into right back, especially with Matoma seemingly out now too. It's the Trent situation, isn't it? I think, it but, is. for, but for different different reasons, right? Like Trent defends like a League Two defender. Tariq doesn't. He's a good defender. Like we've seen that. But yeah. if Tariq can't do the bombing up and down that a fullback needs to, right? Like then, I think for totally different reasons, but the same outcome. Like, do you just pop him in right midfield then? Well, I, I, I asked that because the second half we saw Matoma as the right wing back, or or playing some form or some version of a, a marauding midfielder on the right. And the first thing that strikes me, I'm glad you brought Lamptey up, was Lamptey can do that. Um, and it just seems that he's he has sort of fallen out of favour. Or Like you said, they, they know a lot more than us. When, when I'm not saying anything crazy, but he clearly is not preferred with Matoma being there. We know how good Matoma is, but yeah, it's, it is strange to me. Well, even more weird is we, at that point we were playing... I don't even know what we ended up playing at, but because there was, we went through a four-four-two and 
before something else. And there's some ways I think we even there was three at the back at the end of that game, and then we had I think then Matoma and March even swapped uh, at a certain point, and Matoma went to the left hand and back and forth. Yeah, bring him, bring him. Deserbi seems absolutely wedded to Solly March, um, and uh, at Tarek Lamptey's expense, because as we talked about before, when you're playing a flat four at the back, you're probably not going to replace Veltman in most of the games because Veltman, until he hacks away at Ivan Tony, has been so solid. Um, and then clearly March is preferred. And then, but even just giving him a spell coming in at seventy. Think how powerful that is, right? You 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 get rid of Estupinian, you get rid of March uh, in in you know 60, 65, 70 minutes, and then a team has to face Matoma and Lamptey for the rest of the game on the wings. Oh, oh God, I wouldn't want to be those defenders. But yeah, that was not. something I put in the chat as well was that with Estupinian coming off and Matoma coming on, you saw March move to left back. And I think it, this just reinforces your point that of how highly Deserbi thinks of of Solly March is that that's a that's not a straight swap. That's a complete change around to incorporate Solly March on that left hand side. And I, that was a a weird one for me. I mean, I, like you said, he, Solly can't finish his dinners. But you know, when when you are putting him at left back, that's that's not his primary job anymore. But I I just found it a very strange substitution to me. It's also worth talking about the fact that we've got uh, Enciso now back on the bench. Um, so he has obviously been to start, like, Deserby sees something in him to want to put him back in the squad. Wasn't able to make it for Potter. Um, and that was when Wepu was out as well, right? So it's not just because of that. Um, and then also a player that looked like our brightest spark last season before getting hurt, Sarmiento's on the bench too. So we're not even, we've, we haven't even brought him up yet. But that's another player that, you know, he he got his first start, remember? Like Potter thought he was good enough to start and probably could have been good enough long-term to start if he hadn't got that injury that basically wiped out the rest of his season. Um, at what point does that talent start to show and, and, and does Herbie play him too? Like, there's... I know we look at that bench and say there's, there's nothing there, but I think it's because we haven't seen anything yet. There's a lot of unknowns on that bench um, and... I understand why he did it in this last uh, last 20 minutes, but I didn't like it. Like, I would rather see a Sarmiento than a Lalana uh, with 20 minutes to go. Stop the Lalana hate. Great play. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, yeah. There's seemingly with Deserby, there is a trust in some of the old guard. Um, and I don't know if he necessarily wants to come in and blow everything up. And he wants some consistency and he wants the players that know and have been trusted in the system. That's smart. Um, I think we'll start to see some risk take uh, more risk taking at some point. The other piece is he might not necessarily just simply just might not buy into those players ability to play into the game plan that he wants. We know Lamptey's not necessarily quite as good when it comes to passing and pass accuracy than, than the Solly March. We know that Sarmiento is going to get caught in possession. Lalana's very rarely going to get caught into possession. He's going to get the ball out of feet and he's going to get the ball out and the play's going to flow through him. If you get in these players onto the pitch like Lamptey and Sarmiento, a bit more jokers in a pack, more stuff can happen, but the system will break down. You get countered and they score. 
I think there's an element of that in De Serbia's decision making. And while the players still aren't fully comfortable in the way they want him, to, he wants them to play. I think that's why we're seeing less of the um, the edge come in. Forest next. Uh, if there is a time to shuffle the pack and play some jokers, it's probably this one. Uh, we are playing a team uh, with ten games played, one win, two draws, and seven defeats. Um, same record as Leicester, which is scary for Leicester. Uh, but uh, I will say Leicester have scored 15, conceded 24. Uh, not great. Forest, seven goals scored all season, 23 conceded, minus 16 goal difference. Uh, coming to visit the Amex uh, with their last six in form, lost to Manchester City 6-0. Uh, a loss to Bournemouth at home 3-2 after I believe being 2-0 two, two up. Uh, another loss at home to Fulham 3-2. Uh, an absolute hammering uh, against their biggest rivals at Leicester 4-0 when they were on their knees as well. Uh, a draw against the most bizarre team in the league at this point, Aston Villa, uh, and then comfortably beaten, but only by a goal to nil uh, against Wolverhampton Wanderers this weekend. Uh, it was not as close as it looked. <laughs> uh, both eye test and stat-wise, uh, Forest were not as good as as a one nil. It could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, so they are not good. <laughs> that is just a fact. They are very bad at football uh, in this division. They have uh, five games away from home, one draw, four defeats. They have conceded fourteen goals in five away games. Uh, so we are averaging all. <laughs> Almost, well, a lot. They're averaging a lot of goals. Um, and I know a lot of them were City, but they are not a good team. So, obviously, uh, the prediction all round will probably be 1-1. Um, but <laughs> what, are, what are we wanting to see here? This is this is the time, right? Like, this is the time where uh, if you're going to drop some of that old guard because you see something in the others, maybe some of that old guard aren't happy. I don't know. Maybe the Twitter rumours are true that certain players are not as happy with a new coach coming in. Uh, and are struggling to adapt to that, as is uh, people saying on online uh, that people are bitching about the club. Um, maybe this is the time to get rid of them. Maybe this is the time to try someone new. Um, whether it's Welbeck, Gross, Trossard, I wouldn't get rid of Trossard myself. He was absolute star for me. Um, what do, what do we want to see? Assume Mitoma is injured at this point. Maybe not long term, but definitely short term. Uh, what do you, what are you hoping to see here? Four game, to, four day turnaround. Forest at home, a dire team. What are we wanting to see from from this team? Changes? Any changes? What are, What are we wanting? I'm terrified by this game. Absolutely terrified. Because uh, I know we can't say that Andy Naylor gets upset if you call it a must win. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, but for me, it's in that realm because. Uh, you have not won. I know we've had postponements, but you haven't won a game since the 4th of September to 16th of October. You're then going to go away to Man City, at home to Chelsea. And then your your game after that is away at Wolves on the 5th of November. So there is a chance there that you don't win a game in the Premier League for two months. Stop me if you've heard that one before with Brighton and Hove Albion. Um you, you, the rot has to stop here um, because it, it, it's not going to be pretty for the, the rest of October if you, do, if you don't get three points here. And as you said, if you think our shooting 
hasn't been impressive over a couple of games. Our shooting accuracy this season is 40%. Forest is 26%. Um, they've created nine big chances all season to our 20. Uh, they are hor- they are horrific. Um, I think we'll see some changes. I don't know what they are, um, but I would hope we see a little bit of changes. If we don't, this is the game Worldback has to score. He has to score. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say in terms of prediction. Feels like a banana skin, doesn't it? It's just like we've we've seen it before as well. Like, oh, you know, it's probably the most winnable game in the next month or so. Um, well, in any given month, let's be honest. Um, and these these are the bankers that you need to you need to put away and, and put three points on the board, regardless of where you are on the table. Um, so naturally, we'll probably struggle. Um, I, I just want to see more incisiveness in that final third. I think you're right. I think Welbeck has to do something here um, to just, I guess, relieve that pressure on him, um, first and foremost. But I just want to see more attacking prowess and more incisiveness, um, especially when we know that Forrest are going to come and frustrate us and, and they're going to try because it's worked the last couple of games against us. And they'd be fools not to do that. Um, so in terms of personnel changes, I don't think much will happen. I think March will stay out on that right-hand side and not a lot will change. Um, I just I just want to see them be more attacking and, and be more clinical. Um, but I, I could say that for every game, to be fair. Uh, so I, I guess we'll see. But yeah, I, I'm also worried about this one. It feels like a banana peel. Yeah. Um, looking at who scored uh, characteristics, I love looking at these just to get an idea of what they think a style of play looks like for teams. Um, they have strengths and weaknesses, uh, and their one strength, which is not good when it's only one, by the way, it's real bad, uh, is aerial duels. Um, their weaknesses uh, are as follows. Finishing scoring chances, keeping possession of the ball, defending counterattacks, defending set pieces, defending against attacks down the wings, defending against long shots, and they are very weak with big red letters on uh, at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas and protecting a lead. Um, so there's a there's pretty much every avenue possible for us to win. They may as well just say negatives playing football. <laughs> Uh, they're better off just not doing that. Yeah. You said I, it. <laughs> but, I mean, they've had 29 yellow cards. We've had 10. They're filthy. Um, so expect some of that as well. It's going to be it'll probably be a bit of a chippy game. Let's see Deserby get another yellow card. Bit of bit of handbags on the sidelines. Be nice. That was quite fun with Thomas Frank. I enjoyed that. Soft yellow, wasn't it? Absolutely yeah. ridiculous yellow for me. I can understand the Frank yellow, uh, but it felt like a you've gone to school and you've both got into a disagreement. You've both been told off when one's the instigator and the other's just bystander. Um, I know Naylor was so quick to retweet his article about how fiery Deserve is. And I was like, well, like he literally really didn't do anything. Did he? He like, I I think it was Veltman was being like manhandled by Frank and Deserve just walked over and said, don't do that. And that was it really. Um, I thought he actually kept his call quite well. I was expecting worse. Yeah, every right to. I think you're right. Yeah, that's if if you think that's fiery, I think we're, we might we might be in for a, a few surprises this season. Yeah, I can't wait to see the the return game with Jesse Marsh and Deserby on the touchline. That 
maybe Hell in a Cell. Uh, <laughs> those two. Um, all right, I think that's everything. Uh, if we wrap up soon, I can probably edit this and get it out before kickoff, which would be lovely. So uh, I don't think there's much more to add. This is a really, really short turnaround. Uh, so I'm going to publish this immediately so people can listen as and when they want on their commute to work tomorrow, uh, whatever they want to do, um, because we will be playing again Tuesday night um, and probably recording sometime around then as well whether it be tuesday or wednesday we will be recording before the weekend so um do you have anything else to add i feel like we've covered just about everything we can pretty comprehensively but uh what else have we got good from my side yeah yeah nothing else all right cool well let's hope we get a good result uh because after tuesday the 18th of october my wedding anniversary by the way so please win Uh, that would be nice um, we then visit the Etihad immediately on the Saturday. So talking about short turnarounds, Brentford to Forest is is not the harshest set of fixtures to turn around to. Uh, if we don't get a good result against Forest and then have to go to the Etihad uh, and visit Mr. Harland, uh, we could be we could be very very sad by the. End <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't even want to think about it. I don't even <laughs> want to think about it. Uh, yeah, and that and that's not even just like. That's not even to say that I don't like. It's got nothing against the Albion at all. Like I, we could we could be unbeaten this season, and I wouldn't want to think about that Etihad game with the way he's playing. I want none of that. Don't, I don't think anyone. I don't think a single fan of any club wants <laughs> wants that. No one, nowhere. I might triple captain him against us just so I can ease the pain. Just to balance it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Either way, you're getting a you know some level of comfort. Yeah, watch uh, Mares score five. Yeah, probably, because I've got De Bruyne as well, so they'll find a way to F me over. Um, all right, that's everything from us. Uh, have a good beginning of the week, and we'll speak to you in a couple of days, um, hopefully on uh, the back of a win at the Amex. So be good, be safe out there, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.